Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I'm nuts for trees. I hope you aren't tired of nuts yet because we're on part two of my three-part mini-series focused on nut trees. Last episode, I talked about the almond, which you may recall is not botanically a nut. But because it's so well known as a nut, I figured it was good enough. Today, I am talking about the walnut, which may or may not be considered a nut botanically as well. I'll get into it later, but it hardly matters because walnuts are so well known as a nut. Nut is in the name, and the Latin name for the walnut group translates to the nut of God. How do you deny that? Personally, I don't really like the taste of walnuts. I'll happily incorporate them into dishes, but you'll never catch me just snacking on them. My personal opinion doesn't really change the fact that these nuts are considered culturally important worldwide, though. And the importance of the walnut tree extends far beyond its nuts, considering its highly valued and incredible wood. Let's dive into its history and learn some lesser-known tidbits about this divine delicacy. walnuts come from? Walnut trees belong to the overall walnut family, Juglandaceae. This family is also home to hickories and pecans, though those trees belong to a separate genus within the family. The walnut genus is known as Juglans, and it is this word that in Latin means nut of God. Though to be more literal, its translation really means Jupiter's acorn, which sounds like something Ron Burgundy would exclaim when he sees something incredible. There are 20 species of walnut, split into four sections within their group. You've got the Asian walnuts, the black walnuts, the commercially grown walnut, and another species called the butternut or the white walnut. Fun fact about the butternut, I wear a ring on my right hand that is inlaid with butternut wood. And that's about all I have to say about that tree specifically. Of these trees, there are really just two species that I'll be giving attention to. The commercially grown walnut, also known as the common, Persian, or English walnut, and the American black walnut. The common walnut, which is from where we get the walnuts we eat, is scientifically known as Juglans regia. Regia means royal for how it is viewed as the food of kings. These guys have been cultivated for thousands of years, which makes it tricky to pinpoint where it originally came from. The name Persian walnut is popular because one belief is that its origins can be traced to the lands once held by the Persian Empire. The American black walnut, on the other hand, is known as Juglans nigra. Nigra meaning black for how certain parts of the tree can leave a dark stain on skin and clothing when touched. These trees are very common across the eastern United States, from the Great Plains to the Atlantic Ocean and from the Gulf of Mexico to the southern edge of the Great Lakes. Walnut trees are fairly similar in regards to their size and shape. Generally, they are sizable forest trees. The common walnut is a little bit smaller, usually hanging out around 50 feet or 15 meters tall. Meanwhile, the black walnut tends to be a more dominant forest tree, potentially growing over 100 feet or 30 meters tall. All these trees have pinnately compound leaves, where instead of a single leaf growing from a leaf stalk, you instead have a cluster of leaflets. 
If these trees were right next to each other, you could tell them apart by counting those leaflets. 5 to 11 per leaf for the common walnut, and 15 to 23 for the black walnut. The fruit, which you've likely been waiting to hear about, is where we get walnuts. The question is, is it a nut? Let's go back to that botanical definition. Nuts are dry fruits with single seeds and hard shells. Last episode, we found out that almonds are actually droops, or stone fruits, defined as a fleshy fruit with a hard central stone encasing the seed. The walnut that we eat is a seed, surrounded by a shell, which is surrounded by a weird green rind. It kind of looks like a lime that you, that you just know you shouldn't eat. The rind is what trips up botanists. Depending on what source you look at, this rind can be called a husk, which makes the walnut a nut. Or it can be considered a fleshy exterior, which makes it a droop like the almond. Considering that the almond's fleshy exterior is really more leathery than fleshy, I'm left so unsure as to what is really what. If I'm going to side with anything, I'm going to side with my forestry textbooks, which call walnuts nuts. I'm just curious about why some of my online sources don't agree. But remember, there can be multiple definitions for the same term depending on the context. Walnuts may or may not be botanically nuts, but in the culinary world it is 100% a nut. So what's the difference between these nuts? The black walnut is said to actually have a richer flavor than the common walnut, but the common walnut has a thinner shell and more nut meat in comparison. So, when it comes to nut production, that's the one that's going to win out. There's also a few other neat details about walnut biology. Their leaf scars, for instance. Leaf scars are the permanent impression that a leaf makes on the twig after it falls off. It's a way that you can look at a twig and say, oh, leaf was here. One way to identify walnuts is that their leaf scars are shaped like little happy monkey faces. The edges of it are shaped like a cartoon monkey head, and there's two dots for eyes and a little semicircle of little dots that look like a smile. It's just really cute. Another interesting walnut feature that's a little less cute is in regards to its roots. Walnut roots contain a compound known as juglone that leaches into the soil around the tree. Juglone acts as a poison to a variety of plants, so if you see a walnut and notice that there's not a lot of plant life around it, it's because the tree killed them all. It's actually a defense mechanism to reduce competition and secure more nutrients for itself. In general though, we already have a good idea as to the human uses of walnuts. They're nuts, we eat them. But let's look at their journey and see just how far they've come. As I said, the common walnut has been cultivated for so long that it's really difficult to tell where it originally came from. Any time that I've talked about trees that have been cultivated for over 3,000 years, it's really just conjecture as to what their wild range is. But another name for this tree is the Persian walnut because it was thought to have come from Western Asia, perhaps around Iran. It's a pretty safe bet that it was found in the Fertile Crescent region of Old Mesopotamia. There's a reason why it's called the Fertile Crescent, after all. But that idea is being challenged by recent science. 
Research published in the last few years has found evidence that the common walnut was growing as far west as France 8,000 years ago. Jupiter's acorn, that's incredible! One theory talks about how these trees were more widespread across Eurasia prior to the most recent ice age that occurred 14,000 years ago. But instead of being completely wiped out, pockets of refuge formed where very small populations of walnut trees survived, though isolated from the bulk of their brothers and sisters. Regardless, our earliest human evidence of walnut cultivation dates back to 2000 BCE in ancient Babylon. Our earliest form of written communication was done by making inscriptions on clay tablets, some of which have been preserved to this day. One unearthed tablet describes the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the world. Among the plants listed in the gardens is the common walnut. The walnut was likely first introduced to Europe through Alexander the Great's conquest in 4th century BCE. I know I said that there was evidence of it already being in Europe, but this is our first solid evidence of the walnut being selectively bred and cultivated as a product in Europe. Either way, it was very easily integrated into the diet as well as the mythology of the time. It is said that once upon a time, a Laconian queen had three daughters. When the queen showed good hospitality to the god Apollo, he rewarded her by giving the gift of prophecy to those daughters. The one condition was that these daughters were not to ever use their power to learn forbidden things, and they must not betray the gods. This was all well and good until Dionysus, the god of wine and revelry, showed up and fell in love with one of the daughters. The woman's name was Caria, and she too was in love with Dionysus. It was a mutual affair. But Caria's sisters tried to keep her from Dionysus. And Dionysus said, you stop that, you are betraying a god, and that's something you all swore to never do. But the rebellious daughters didn't listen. No sister of theirs would be dating the party bro of the gods. And so Dionysus had no choice but to punish them, and curse them with madness. The two sisters fled to a mountain, where they turned into rocks. Caria, whom Dionysus still loved, was instead turned into a walnut tree. I find this story really funny, not because of what happens in it, but because the name Caria is actually the genus name for hickories and pecans. But she was turned into a walnut, not a hickory, which is just silly. From Greece, the walnut was taken to Rome, where it earned the fame and reputation as a godly food. And as Rome is known to do at this point, they spread the cultivation of the walnut around Europe wherever their empire reached. This is how the nut became normalized in the diet and culture of the known world up until this point. I mentioned in the very beginning how one common name for this walnut was the English walnut. And it got that name just from the English being the ones who introduced the walnut to the Americas, not because it's actually from England or anything. And as any crop does, it found its way to California, where production really skyrocketed although the walnut is not nearly as big of a nut crop as the almond. But this isn't the United States' first rodeo with the walnut, because they've got the black walnut. Like I said, these trees were native almost everywhere east of the Great Plains, though they've also been introduced to the western parts of the United States as well. The black walnut was extensively used by indigenous tribes as food and medicine. Black walnuts are just as edible as Persian walnuts, perhaps even richer in flavor as well. 
but they are a lot harder to open and that extra effort rewards you with less actual walnut meat. One other big feature that was popular was how parts of the black walnut could easily stain surfaces a dark color. These materials were often ground up and used as dyes, a potentially popular use being a dark hair dye for people with graying hair. These walnut trees had the market cornered long before Just For Men came around. European settlers on this continent immediately recognized the value of the black walnut in its wood. Compared to the common walnut, the black walnut's wood was a lot darker and prettier, like a chocolatey brown color. It's used for a wide variety of products, it's seriously just fantastic wood. But one very popular use for walnut wood was as gun stocks. It was the preferred wood for every part of a gun made of wood. Every armed conflict that America saw between the Civil War and World War II led to massive logging of walnut forests. And of course, this resource depletion was not healthy. But the US Forest Service has long since actively worked to restore black walnut populations in our country. For both walnut species, there have been numerous different cultivated varieties grown for one reason or another. In something like the apple, cultivated varieties are what give us different types of apples and affect the overall quality and the edible parts. But walnut cultivars weren't developed to create different flavors of walnut, they exist to have different varieties of trees that grow better depending on where they are grown, so they can be grown in more diverse places. In regards to the walnut's nutrition, it's fairly similar to almonds. They are rich in protein and the good fat, and are appreciated for being a very calorie-dense food. But what is it about these tree seeds that always make them so full of dietary goodness? Remember that these seeds are supposed to turn into big old trees. They are packed with nutrients that these seedlings are supposed to be consuming until they develop enough to pull nutrients from the soil, sun, and water. Ultimately, I'm a big fan of the black walnut. It's a species I'm very familiar with and I've had the pleasure of working with walnut wood multiple times. It's terrific. But the common walnut that we eat? I'm more lukewarm about those guys. I totally respect that some people are big walnut fans, but to me they kind of just taste like earth and wood. I've never tried walnut milk before, it's certainly less available than almond milk, but I'm aware it exists and I'd give it a try. You can actually make your own pretty easily, just grind up some walnuts with some water and press the liquid through a cheesecloth. You can add stuff like sweetener or vanilla to adjust the flavor too. But among the walnut family, the royal godly nut is not the only tree worth recognizing. Closer related to hickories, the pecan is a nut that does not have quite the extensive history shared by the other nuts in this miniseries, as it is only found in North America. But don't you go telling Texans and any other southerner that it's any less significant. Join me on September 6th as we round out this nut tree miniseries with the pecan tree, when we'll learn how to properly pronounce its name and hear about how it became so deeply rooted in southern culture. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their awesome stuff at academygarden.bandcamp.com. 
My cover art is by Brit on Instagram. My script editor and social media manager is the wonderful Lori Hilburn. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at MyFavoriteTrees or on Instagram at TreePodcast. And if you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. <laughs>